right? We, we're starting a series that most, most of you in this room can identify with. It's called Crazy People, because all of you are crazy, right? All of you are, we, we all are. Did you know that? We are all crazy people. Most of us tend to think of crazy people as the other person, don't we? That's, that's what we think. They are all just crazy. They're from California. They're crazy, right? That's, that's sort, of, sort of what we think. You know, if you don't think like me or believe like me, then you are crazy. Which means, in essence, all of us are crazy people. Because somebody thinks that about us. People in California look at Alabama? Them folks is crazy, right? And with some of our history, yeah, we are, right? When you think about some of the history that, that we've endured, some of, the, some, some of the black eyes on society and culture, yeah, yeah, we got some crazy folks here in Alabama. Well, the sermon series that we start today is sort of based on that premise, right? That no matter what we do, someone thinks that we are crazy. We're going to look at characters in the Bible. These are big personalities in the Bible. And someone thought every one of them was crazy. And as we look at those, those crazy people in the Bible in these coming weeks, I hope that at the end of our time, and pretty much at the end of every message in this series, that you're going to be thinking, it's okay to choose to be crazy. Because that may be the most sanest thing you've ever done. Obviously, there's no sense in delaying the inevitable because this is Easter and we're going to talk about what arguably is maybe the most crazy person in the Bible. Jesus. Because he literally was called crazy. Okay? Even though there are lots of people in our world today that, Jesus, that believe Jesus was a few bricks short of a load, I want you to hear this quote from Yaroslav Pelagin. Regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the, most, has been the dominant figure in history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. There are a lot of opinions about Jesus, but the fact is, Jesus remains relevant well over 2,000 years after he walked this earth. How does a crazy person stay relevant for that long? We're going to look back and real quick in Jesus' life, and we're going to see how all this craziness started. In the book of Mark, verse uh, 20 of chapter 3, then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not able to eat. I don't know if you can fathom that. A crowd so big that you can't eat. Man, they got to be pretty big for me not to be able to eat. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. Okay. When his family heard about this, they went out to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. His family, these are the people that had lived with him 
for probably close to 30 years that they have been with Jesus. And, and according to Mark, at this point in Jesus' life, early in his ministry, he is drawing crowds, he's healing people. And in these first couple chapters of Mark, actually, he's casting out demons. And these demons are calling him audibly, they saying, you are the son of God. So, so this is all going on around this time, and these, these huge crowds are pressing in on him, and they are enamored by him, and again, making it so difficult that for him to, to be pressed upon him that he couldn't eat. And then the family says, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. You know, sometimes families are really simply too close they're just too close to really have an open spirit. We were, it's recorded that Jesus was limited in what he could do in his hometown. I think he even said a prophet was at, is without honor in his own hometown. So he did a lot of wonderful things, but he was very limited in his hometown. And I guess it's something about when, when you see a, a person growing up from an infant to a child to a teenager and to adult, you see all, see that person grow up, you can't think of them in a different way. I, I, I guess that's what, that, what that's talking about. The um, unwritten rule in the world of pastors is that you, you shouldn't go back to your home church, that you shouldn't go back to your home church. And I think there's probably some biblical evidence they're saying, well, Jesus barely could go back, so why should, why should we be able to get, him, get even better than Jesus? And, and I started thinking about my home church. The last time I was at my home church, regularly Sunday and Sunday out, right, it was 1985. Summer of 1985 was the, the last time I was actually attending church regularly. And before that, it was, you know, during the school year, I was gone. I was at Auburn. So it was just during those two summers, those last summers, 84 and 85, that I was actually attending church regularly. So when I go back and, and, and visit this church, and, and I'll go back in the next couple months and, and sit through another service and, and see some people, 80% of the people in that church that I will greet or that I will see or that will see me, if they turn around and look on the back row where I sit with my mom, if they turn around and actually look back and see me, 80% of them will not know me. They will have not known me as a child or as a teenager. Majority of them will know me. Oh, that's, that's Carol's son. They know that. Okay? Now, I'm not looking to go back, just so you'll know. Not, not, look, not looking to, to go back. But it wasn't just the family. It wasn't just the family that believed Jesus was a couple fries short of a happy meal. In John 10, 20... Many of them says he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? The people that said this were regular people. They were regular Jewish people. These were not religious leaders. Just regular people. They had been a part of the crowds. They had witnessed his healings. They had, had, had seen, uh, seen all those things, had, had heard his teachings. And then they... They said he's raving mad. What had he done that was crazy? And I think the clue is in what the, they just said. He was raving mad. 
He was raving. In other words, it was something he said. It was something he said that that led them to believe he was crazy. Because Jesus does make some outrageous claims. When When you look back on it, and if you try to look back, not with the hindsight that we have, which is 2020, and we have you know, Genesis through Revelation to compare it to, but if you try to look back and, and, and just in the moment when he says these things, it's pretty outrageous, all right? Like, like, like the first one in John 2.16. In John 2.16, here's the setup. This is the first of, of two turnovers for Jesus, okay? First of two turnovers. And this is the temple when he's turning over tables. Okay? He said to those who sold doves, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. It wasn't the craziness of turning tables over that was the problem. In fact, that really wasn't that crazy at all. But what was crazy was he said, my father... Stop turning my father's house into a market. He could have said God, right? He said, stop turning God's house into a market. But no, he said, my father. That's something pretty much nobody dared to do. Putting, putting themselves in, in a very close connection to God. That just was unheard of. Unheard of to say, my father, when referencing to God. That's a, that's a close relationship people could not fathom at this time. And that wasn't, that wasn't all, obviously. There's plenty more. His mouth got him in trouble in the same instance. After the first of the two turnovers, he, he kept going. John 2.19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will rise it, raise it again in three days. I will raise it again in three days. Destroy this temple. I will raise it again in three days. I can see people in the crowd going, hey, excuse me. I may not be an engineer, but I stayed at the Jerusalem Express Hotel last night, and I'm pretty sure that you cannot do this in three days. Right? It took 46 years to get it where it is now, and it's still not finished. What kind of wacko job are you that thinks in three days that you will be able to do this? But this pales in comparison to what he said later. Also, according to John in 6.54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Okay, Jesus, this is bizarre. If this is the kind of religion that you're talking about, this is not the kind of religion we signed up for. This is one of those weird things that, that we don't want any part of. This is really... This is really out there. Way, way out there. This, this, this kind of comment is crazy, crazy, crazy. And it was. Because many quit following Jesus after he said this. Now on the surface, this, this next passage is one that would raise some eyebrows. In fact, one of, one of our staff people asked me about it this past week. Luke 14, 16, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Isn't that crazy? He's basically saying, 
abandon your family. The, the, the people that you promise to be with for the rest of your life, to love, to take care of, leave them? That's on the surface what it sounds like he's saying. you got to be nuts to tell me to do that, to encourage me to do that. So he makes all these outrageous claims plus others. You can, you can, you can look them up, you can read about them, Okay. I want us to look at this chart real quick, okay? This chart came from Josh McDowell's book, okay? Jesus claims to be God, okay? That was, that was his most outrageous claim, that he claimed to be God, okay? Now, what if his claims were false? Okay, let's just look at that. His claims were false. That's, and there's two alternatives from there, okay? Look. If his claims are false, there's two ways we can go. The first way is he knew they were false. If he knew they were false, he deliberately misrepresented himself for for two to three years. It would also make him a liar of everything he said. It would make him a hypocrite because he told others to be honest no matter the cost. He was also, it would also make him a demon because he deliberately told others to trust him for their eternal destiny. And he actually was called a demon in Mark 3.22. The teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So he was actually even called a demon. So if, if if, if, if what he claims... To the, that he knew that they were false, okay? Make him a liar, make him a hypocrite, make him a demon. It would also make him a fool. It would also make him a fool because he died for the lie that he was God. In addition, it'd make a fool out of the 10 people, wouldn't it? Make a fool out of those 10, 10 original disciples who were all killed for telling others about Jesus. So, so how, how, how could this be, this great teacher who was teaching such unselfish ethical truths live the life that he did? It wouldn't make sense, would it? Well, let's just, just go to the other side, okay? Uh, the other option. He didn't know what he said was false. He was, he was teaching out there. He was out there for two or three years, and... He knew. He did not know it was false. If he did not know it was false, it means he was, a sincerely, he was sincerely deluded. He was a lunatic. Because he kept believing all this all the way up to the end. And a seriously ill, seriously mentally ill person would have taken it all the way to the end. And he kept this going for two or three years. And he convinced many people to follow him. Wouldn't you think in these two or three years the disciples would have seen something? If he was deluded, if he, if it was, if he was a lunatic, right? If he truly was crazy. Wouldn't they have seen something in there? But Peter, remember good old Peter, who always seemed to find a way to 
put his foot in his mouth. Didn't one time. After all those people left because of that tough saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood, Peter told Jesus, when Jesus said, what about you guys? What y'all going to do? What you going to do now? They all left. What about you? James, John, Matthew. What you going to do? Peter says, we have nowhere else to go. Where else can we go to find the words of life? So his claims are true. That's the other chart that I want you to look at real quickly. So Jesus claims to be God, and they are true, which means he is Lord. Which means he is Lord. Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am, I and the Father are one. So, so Jesus is, is saying, you know, I am God. And, and there's, there's no getting around this. There's no backing away from this. There's no explaining it away. He says, I am God. You know, there's a very popular religion out there that acknowledges this, that Jesus was a teacher and that he was Messiah. But get this. They believe, this one particular religion, very popular, billions of people, are teaching that not only did it was uh, Jesus the Messiah and that he was a great teacher, but he just miraculously left this earth. He wasn't crucified. He didn't die on a cross. He didn't, he didn't, he was not resurrected. And of course, many in the Jewish community believe that he was a great teacher. C.S. Lewis has this wonderful quote that can't get, can't get past, so i got to share it with you. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is a son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. His claims are true. And after 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, many, many have believed and died for that very fact. Because Jesus said who he said he was, he was. Which leaves all of us, all of us two choices. Accept him or reject him. Those are our two choices. There's no middle ground. Accept him or reject him. After the resurrection, Jesus had shown himself to a bunch of women and to ten of the disciples. And then in John 20, verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Because Thomas wasn't among that first group of people who saw him, he could not believe. You know, it, 
we got to give Thomas some credit, right? You know, just, just think about what Thomas had seen. He had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. He had seen this young girl brought back to life. He had seen this widow's son who was on a stretcher. They were carrying him through the, through the streets of the funeral procession, seeing him get up, get up off the, the stretcher and live again. You know, he'd only seen three resurrections, right? Give him a benefit of a doubt. Couldn't believe this one. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The blessed ones are you and me. We are the blessed ones. We have not seen Jesus resurrected. Really. We've seen one dude resurrected. He's here with us today, right? We got one dude. We got, but not Jesus. We hadn't seen Jesus. But we believe. John records in his last, last words, these are written, in other words, the, the life of Jesus is given to us. And we know that that's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All those words, the life of Jesus was written, that we may believe that He is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that my believing you may have life in His name. You know what I thought was interesting? The definition of crazy. One of the definitions of crazy is this. Being out of the ordinary, unusual. Being out of the ordinary or unusual. Which means, yeah, look at, okay, what's ordinary? Can I tell you what ordinary is today? Today we are living in a post-Christian world. We're living in a post-Christian world. Right now, in our country. may not feel like it sometimes in South Alabama, but it's there. It is there. So being ordinary is like being like everybody else in the post-Christian culture or country. No moral compass. Having unfettered freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want, no matter who you hurt in the process. Basically, it's all about me. It's self-centered. What's the most popular word today? Selfie. Right? I'm going to do a selfie. I'm going to do a TikTok for you so you can see me. This may be a crazy quote from an actress that said this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the name of the actress. Her name was Kate Winslet. Okay, Most of y'all remember from Titanic, but anyway. All right. Kate said this. If cra- being crazy means living life as if it matters, then I don't mind being completely insane. When you choose to accept Jesus, you are choosing to live a life that matters. A life that pursues God and unleashes compassion. What is your choice? Will you accept Him or reject Him? And many of us play that middle ground. Because we know if we accept Him, there may be things that we're doing in our life that we don't want to do, that we want to keep doing. 
But I want you to think about the alternative here of what Jesus is offering. Jesus is offering a life that matters, a life with purpose, a life with hope. And those of you, those of you who have gone through some difficult times and gone through grief, you of all people know that a life without hope is no life at all. As I was looking at on my front seat, just looking at the Jesus window, you notice we've manufactured a cross. You look through the cross to see Jesus. And it's because of that cross. It's because of that cross. You can have life.